I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter four of New Moon titled Waking Up. And of course, she's waking up from her four month long depression. You know how the how the seasons passed, how the months passed. We ended last chapter with, you know, just October barely registering. November, just a blip. December, poof, who remembers that? And January, we just time jump all over it. But before we get into that, I just wanted to thank everyone for leaving ratings and reviews on their favorite podcast platforms. It's really appreciated. Bob from the UK said, love it. This is so delightfully savage and clever and is everything I didn't know I needed. Thanks, Bob. Also, it's not a review, but it did make me laugh. But on Patreon, Amity commented on one of the posts saying, ignoring all the rape at the start, this chapter was a fever dream and I couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) I just thought, what a terrible sentence. Ignoring all the rape at the start. Like if anyone just stumbled upon my Patreon page and read that, they'd be like, wait, what the, what the fuck's he doing? (laughs) What's, what's he charging three bucks a month for? Who's raping who? So just to clarify, I'm not raping anybody. Just so we're all clear. So we start this chapter with a little paragraph that says time passes, even when it seems impossible. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I know time passes. You just showed me four months passing by. And she's like, yep, time passes, even for me. And yes, no one was debating whether or not time would pass for you, Bella. And this whole chapter, she's just going to be so freaking insufferable. She's going to act like she's the first person who ever got dumped. The first person to ever experience heartbreak. And oh, this heartbreak's different because he was a vampire. And it's like, oh God. Buffy Summers killed her vampire boyfriend after he went evil and killed her teacher and all her friends. So if she can do it, you can put up with just getting dumped in the woods. But we end that little paragraph. And then we come into her saying, Charlie's fist comes down on the table and he says, that's it, Bella. I'm sending you home. And apparently she's just eating cereal and she's like, what? What's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm just eating my cereal here, dad. And she's like, I hadn't been following the conversation. So I was just staring at him in shock. She goes, I actually wasn't even aware that we were having a conversation. And if I know anything about Charlie and Bella's Swan's relationship, they probably weren't having a conversation. But apparently because she's heartbroken, she's also dumb now. And she's like, I am home. I mumbled, confused. And he's like, yeah, I meant Jacksonville. I'm sending you to Jacksonville which is a place she's never lived, never even visited as far as I know. What's happening to that abandoned house in Phoenix? Because remember, they, they moved to Jacksonville, but they, they left their home fully furnished. 
James went there and everything last book, remember? So, so I don't know if the intention is to move back to Phoenix eventually, but I'm, I'm really not interested in Renee and Phil's life in Jacksonville at all. But she finally figures out what he's saying and she goes, oh, what did I do? And she's thinking, God, it was so unfair. My behavior has been so good the past four months. I hadn't missed a day of school. My grades were perfect. Yeah, they had to send out a search party in the woods to find me because I was lying down in the rain crying. But you know, other than that, been washing the dishes. (laughs) And I'm joking, but she actually says, I never went anywhere from which to break curfew. I only very rarely served leftovers. I only very rarely served leftovers. Like it's her job to cook. I don't like this. She's insinuating she's a bad daughter if she served leftovers more often than just occasionally. And to be fair to Charlie, I don't know if it's him putting that pressure on her. I'm pretty sure he'd be stoked with leftovers. Maybe she's putting this pressure on herself, but it's kind of a really weird dynamic. And Charlie's like, you didn't do anything. That's the problem. You never do anything. And she's like, you want me to get in trouble? And she's mystified. She says she's mystified. And I'm like, babe, how are you so fucking mystified? She's full playing dumb. I don't get it. And then Charlie says, trouble would be better than this. This moping around all the time, exclamation mark. And yeah, I get it, Charlie. No one likes hanging out with a moper. Nothing fun about someone who mopes. Mm-mm. And she says, I'm not moping around. And then he's like, oh yeah, I guess you're not. Wrong word. Moping, moping would be better. That would be doing something. So he's just full on the shade train. He's just really calling her out, which is great. He says, you're just lifeless, Bella. Which is ironic because that's what she wanted. She wanted Edward to turn her into a lifeless vampire. And now she's a zombie. And she's going to make that metaphor really apparent later on. It's, it's ham-fisted. It's ham-fisted, but just brace yourself for it. And then she says, I'm sorry, dad. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, geez, my apology even sounds flat. Even to me. <laughs> and Charlie starts giving her the tough, tough love chat because he's like, honey, you're not the first person to go through this kind of thing, you know. And I'm like, thank God someone's finally telling her this. I think she thinks she invented breakups. But also, Charlie, why did it take you four months, mate? Because we all know Charlie's secretly stoked. Charlie hates Edward. That whole Phoenix saga with her coming back with her leg in a cast, like he blames Edward for that, as we all do. Although I blame Alice a bit for that as well. But Charlie doesn't like Edward, so he's stoked. So I guess for four months, he's just been holding in the I told you so's. And Charlie's like, look, honey, I think that maybe you need some help. And she's like, I'm fine. And he's like, "Hmm, maybe, well, maybe if you talk to someone about it, a professional. And she's like, you want me to see a shrink? And she gets all angry because apparently mental health professionals are just something to be sneezed at. And she tells us, I didn't know much about psychoanalysis, but I was pretty sure that it didn't work unless the subject was relatively honest. Sure, I could tell the truth if I wanted to spend the rest of my life in a padded cell. And then she just never brings up therapy again. I guess Stephanie's like, well, that's a good enough reason not to do therapy. But I'm like, "Uh, Bella, you, you can lie to your therapist. You can just leave shit out by omission. Just say, oh, my boyfriend dumped me. He moved out of town and I feel really sad. And for the past four months, I've been really numb and lifeless and I've had no fucking will to live. You don't need to mention that he's a vampire. Like it sort of doesn't come into it at all. And then Bella's like, ugh, fine. I'll go out tonight if that's what you want. I'll call Jess or Angela. And then he's like, ah, that's not what I want. I don't think I can live through seeing you try harder 
I've never seen anyone trying so hard. It hurts to watch. And now I'm sort of like, okay, Charlie, well, what the fuck do you want? Like, she's playing your game here. She's being a stroppy little cow, but she's, she's at least responding to your, to your concerns. And you're just like, mm, that's, that's not really going to be enough for me. Oh, you're not trying hard enough. Now you're trying too hard. Like, man, pick a lane. And then after Charlie says that, she, <laughs> she says the most hilarious line. She says, I pretended to be dense. And I'm like, oh, babe, I don't know if you're pretending to be dense. You've been quite confused this chapter. But she does call him out. She's like, first you're mad because I'm not doing anything. And then you say you don't want me to go out. She's like, I can't, I can't fight this battle with your dad. You're changing the goalposts on me. And then he's like, yeah, I don't want you to be happy. I just want you to not be miserable, which is hilarious. And he's like, maybe you should leave Forks. And she's like, I'm not leaving Forks. Like she says, my eyes flashed up with the first small spark of feeling I had in too long to contemplate just because he mentioned leaving Forks. And she's sort of acting like it's the first time he's brought that up this chapter. But like, no, like last page, he said, I'm going to send you to Jacksonville. And she just ignored it. But now she's like, you mean leave Forks? Oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, but but Jacksonville's fine. So she's like, no, I don't want to leave. I'm in my last semester of school. I won't be able to catch up. And he's like, yeah, you're a good student. You'll be fine. And then she says, I don't want to crowd mum and Phil. And I'm thinking how much fucking sex are mum and Phil having if she doesn't want to crowd them? They've been living on their own for a year. Their honeymoon period is over. I think their daughter can go and cramp their style a bit. Like, I don't want to crowd mum and Phil. Like, what are they living in a one bedroom in Jacksonville? No, they're not. And then she's like, Florida's too hot. And I'm like, I know you used to like the heat. You brought a cactus to Forks with you because it reminded you of the heat. Like, come on, don't bullshit me. And then his fist is coming down on the table again. And he says, we both know what's really going on here, Bella. And it's not good for you. He's like, it's been months, no calls, no letters. You can't keep waiting for him. And then she's pissed off. She's like, this is an utterly forbidden subject as he was well aware. And aren't we all just glad we we skipped four months of this? We just brushed over four months of this crap. So I'm very thankful for that. But she's over the convo. So she just picks up a bowl of cereal and puts it in the sink and walks out and says, I'll make plans with Jessica. And she's like, but maybe I won't be home for dinner. We'll go to Port Angeles and watch a movie. And she doesn't wash up her cereal. So that's a big plot point that gets mentioned. So she gets to school really early. So she just parks and sits in her car reading up on calculus. How sad is that? But she tells us that she's getting better at it. And in the last several months, I'd spent 10 times the amount of time on calculus that I'd ever spent on math before. As a result, I was managing to keep in the range of a low A. So she's improving in her studies just because she no longer has a boyfriend. And like, isn't isn't this the true moral of the story here? Like maybe high schoolers should be less focused on dating and more focused on their studies for improved career outcomes. I feel like that's what Stephanie's getting at here. Of course, Stephanie's not getting at that here. But in my head, I'm thinking, oh, is this why I did well at school? Because no one wanted to fuck me. (laughs) And then she runs to English where they're studying animal farm. And she says, it's an easy subject matter. I didn't mind communism. (laughs) And that's all she says. I didn't mind communism. So... Bella Swan's a communist, confirmed. So she runs into Mike and he says, Bella, are you working tomorrow? And apparently he asks her this every Friday. Oh, that's so sad. So every Friday he's like, are you working tomorrow? Like trying to maintain conversation with her. But I mean, I get the vibe that he's given up on her because I mean, 
It's drawing water out of a stone, isn't it? And so she says, yeah, tomorrow is Saturday, isn't it? Being like, of course I work on Saturdays, so obviously I'll be at work. And he's just like, oh, yeah, it is. See you in Spanish. And then he walks off because like, what else is he meant to say? And she says, he didn't bother walking me to class anymore. And I'm like, what are you, you're not trying to make me feel like Mike Newton's an asshole for, for not bothering to walk you to class. You're painful. You're a punish. He try every Friday, he tries to start a convo with you every freaking Friday. And you just give him chewed back being like, well, it's Saturday tomorrow, right? Like, no wonder he doesn't want to walk with you to the next class. You suck. And I apologize for not being so sympathetic. I know depression is hard. She's in a depressed space right now. It's, it's a tough time for her, but also it's really difficult to read. So she trudges off to calculus where she sits next to Jess. And Jess has apparently not talked to her for months because she cold shouldered Jess. And I guess Jess was like, well, fuck you then. I'll cold shoulder you right back. And she tells us that this class just flew past. Earlier, English class flew past. All her classes are flying past. And I'm just like, remember at the start of this chapter when you're like, time does pass. No matter how slowly, no matter how agonizingly, but it did pass. And now she's like, yep, this class flew. This class flew. Nothing happened in English. That flew. Like, we don't need to hear about every fucking class, Steph. But okay. So it's the end of the class. And she turns to Jess. And she says, Jess... And Jess spins around and says, are you talking to me, Bella? And like, okay, who else is called Jess? And Jess is like, what, do you need help with calculus or something? And Bella's like, no, I actually wanted to see if you would go to the movies with me tonight. I need a girl's night out. And she's just like, why are you asking me? And Bella's like, you're the first person I think of when I want girl time, which has been never in her life. And poor Jess has just been put on the spot. She's like, ah, uh, I don't really know. And Bella says, do you have plans? Just really coming out and cornering her and backing her into this social setting. Like, I would hate for someone to do that to me. Like, yeah, how lovely. Invite me out to a movie. But also like, last minute. Ooh, that's not good. But Jess is a freaking saint because she's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I can go with you. What do you want to see? And then Bella's like, I actually don't know what's playing. (laughs) And if I was Jess, I'd be like, well, what the fuck? Why do you want to go to the movies? (sighs) And so then Bella's like, uh, how about that one with the female president? And Jessica's like, Bella, that's been out of the theater forever. And sidebar, why is she saying the one with the female president? Like, like that's such a crazy thing. Like, oh, what a, what a kooky plot. You'll never guess what this plot of this movie is about. It's about a female president. Like, yep, women can be president Steph. So Bella's just like, well, what do you want to say? Come on. And so Jess is like, well, there's this romantic comedy, but there's also this movie called Dead End, which my dad just saw and he really liked it. So Jess is just rallying for her friend. She's really, really doing a good job at carrying this conversation, to be frank. So Bella's like, yeah, let's go see the zombie one. I'd rather deal with zombies than watch a romance. And Jessica, Saint Jessica, the holy Saint Jessica, she says, do you want me to pick you up after school? And Bella says, sure. And so then Jessica smiles and then leaves with tentative friendliness. And I just think good for Jessica for, you know, accepting Bella's olive branch because she could have been a stroppy little cow about it. Like I probably would have been. And then she sort of describes how the rest of the day was just in a haze. And she didn't even remember 
how she got home. Like she didn't remember driving herself home, opening the door, going into her bedroom. Suddenly she's just in her bedroom. So yeah, she's, she's very depressed, isn't she? So she opens the closet to find some clothes to wear to the movies. And she says her eyes do not stray toward the black garbage bag that held my present from that last birthday, which is like the stereo. And she tells us that her nails had been a bloody mess by the time she'd finished clawing it out of the dashboard. So she went back to her truck and she ripped the stereo out just because it, I don't know, reminded her of the Cullens or something. But also Edward should have done that. Edward said, there'll be no trace of me, no trace of me at all, but there will be the present from my brother Emma in the car. Like, okay, you you missed something there, Edward. And now she's got to rip it out of her own dashboard. But also Bella, keep the gifts. Like the best thing about a breakup is that you still get to keep the stuff they gave you. (laughs) If I was married and then got divorced and they're like, oh, can I have the ring back? I'd be like, no, (laughs) that's mine. I will hawk it at a pawn shop as much as I want. I'm going to melt that shit down, turn it into something else. Like you're not getting that ring back. You gave it to me. I have a friend who broke up with someone like just before Christmas, but like after they did the gift exchange. So she still got like Bose headphones and stuff. She was, she was raking it in that Christmas. She wasn't giving that shit back and good for her power to her. So then Jess picks her up and Bella gets in the car and she's like, Oh, thanks for tonight. And Jess is like, yeah. So what brought this on? And Bella's like, brought what on? And I'm like, Oh, fucking hell, Bella pick up the social cues. She's asking why the fuck you're talking to her again. And she's like, yeah, why did you want to suddenly go out? And Bella's like, oh, I just needed a change. And then Bella makes a change to the radio station because apparently the song reminded her of Edward or something. And she, she needs to find songs that were harmless to listen to. So she's, she's really messed up, but it's quite funny because the song that she settled on must be rap. And Jess is like, uh, since when do you listen to rap? And Bella just tries to play it off being like, oh, you know, a while, like, can, can you picture anyone who would listen to rap less than Bella Swan? So then Bella asks Jess if she's been dating anyone and Jess is like, not really. And I was like, oh, okay. But then she says, I go out with Connor sometimes. I went out with Chess Club Eric two weeks ago. And that sounds like quite a list so far. And she doesn't actually say Chess Club Eric. She just says Eric, but he'll always be Chess Club Eric to me. And Bella is just the fakest ass bitch. She's like, tell me all about it. Who asked who? And just pretends to be interested just so she doesn't have to talk and she just can listen to Jess rattle on. So then the movie starts and it's a couple walking along the beach holding hands and Bella starts freaking out being like, I thought we weren't watching the romance one. And Jess is like, yeah, this is the zombie movie. And and Bella goes, then why isn't anyone getting eaten? And Jess is like, yeah, it's just started. I'm sure it's coming. So then Bella's like, I'm going to go get popcorn. So she sat through the whole previews and you know, that movie previews go on for like 30 minutes nowadays. Like they're not just previews for the, for the next coming attraction. They're ads. The movie theaters are showing you ads. So that's, that's a large chunk of time. And she decides to wait until the movie starts to go and get popcorn because she doesn't really want to watch the romantic part of the movie. She really does need to see a therapist. She needs to see a mental health professional. Just don't tell them that he's a vampire, but at least address some of these issues because mate, you're not coping. But then she's waiting at the front with a popcorn, not going in because she's like, "Hmm, I could get away with being out here for a few more minutes. So she, she waits out there for 10 whole minutes until she hears like screams. And so she thinks it's safe. She comes back in and Jess is like, you missed everything. 
almost everyone is a zombie now. And like, yeah, thanks for the spoiler about Dead End, Jess. Didn't say I wasn't going to watch it. And so she's watching the zombie movie and she sort of starts to feel a bit uncomfortable, but she's not sure why. But then she says at the end of the movie, there's a haggard zombie shambling after the last shrieking survivor. Oh, say that 10 times fast. Haggard zombie shambling after the last shrieking survivor. Haggard zombie shambling after the last shrieking survivor. Haggard zombie shambling after the last shrieking survivor. That's a tough one. So a haggard zombie was shambling after the last shrieking survivor. (laughs) And she realizes what the problem is, which is making her so uncomfortable. She says that the scene kept cutting between the zombie and the heroine. And she realized which one she resembled the most. And I, I feel like we've all figured out where she's getting at with this. But then she says, I stood up and Jess is like, where the hell are you going? There's two minutes left. And she says, I need a drink. So she runs outside. She sits on a bench and she says, it was ironic, all things considered, that in the end I would wind up as a zombie. I hadn't seen that one coming. And well, we all did. Thanks for the great dramatic way where you, where you hammered home that metaphor, but we all figured it out. You're a zombie. I'm more shocked that zombies in Stephanie's universe are just like sparkly people. And then Jessica, the poor bitch comes out and she's like, oh, I, I, I don't know what happened. Were you scared? Ha <laughs> ha. And Bella's like, yep, totally scared. And then she's like, well, it's, it's weird because you weren't like screaming at all. You were just sitting there like emotionless. She's just really carrying this whole social interaction. Poor Jess. And then they have to go and get dinner because it was an early showing of the movie and they've got more time to kill, I guess. And Jess says, where do you want to eat? And Bella says, I don't care. And Jess is like, oh, okay then. Like, isn't that annoying when you're like, what do you want for dinner? Oh, I don't care. I don't mind. And it's like, well, just tell me something. You have an idea and I'll veto it. Then I'll have an idea and then you veto it. And then we just never go anywhere. But like, just have an idea. Don't just be like, oh, whatever. And then because you know, she'll suggest somewhere and then they'll be like, mm, I don't really feel like it. Like, that's so annoying. We've all had that conversation and it just goes around and around in circles and you're like, bitch, just make the call. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So poor Jess has just hit another bloody stumbling block in this date. So then they're walking the streets of Port Angeles. And remember what happened last time Bella was in Port Angeles and she almost got like, mugged and raped on the street because remember this is like a high crime neighborhood and so I guess they're just walking and then it gets dark and Jessica gets quiet all of a sudden and it takes Bella a while to realize but she's like "Ooh, it's starting to get sketchy and they're walking past like a dingy little bar that's called One-Eyed Pete's which sounds fun and leaning against the wall are four men And Jessica's sort of just like, you know, heads down, just keep walking kind of a thing, avoid eye contact. But Bella, it's just, she's pausing on the straight and then she looks back at them and she gets a strong sense of deja vu. And it's like, yeah, okay, we know what happened last time at Port Angeles. She tells us anyway, she says, this was a different road, a different night, but the scene was so much the same. And no, it wasn't. Last time she was lost and walking up and down the streets and like, they were following her and like cornering her on the streets. These four guys are just leaning against the wall of the bar. They could be harmless, but they could also present a very real threat, but it's not the same. But she says the scene was the same. One of them was even short and dark. Mm, uh, she's got to stop describing people as dark. Also, what a coincidence. One of them short and dark. It must be that same guy that tried to rape me last year. And so she's frozen on the sidewalk and Jess is like, Bella, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I think I know them. And uh, yeah, you think you recognize them because they were your potential abusers. Maybe don't go up to them and be like, hey guys, remember when, (laughs) crazy story, but like last year I was lost from trying to find a bookshop because I thought my vampire boyfriend was a vampire. Anyway, so I got totally lost in this tiny little town And you guys were like harassing me and chasing me up and down the street. Like, (laughs) that was so funny. And then my vampire boyfriend, like he rescued me in his silver Volvo and he was like driving really fast and all that stuff. Anyway, like I got in and it was super mad and intense, but then we went to an Italian restaurant. It was kind of fun, but the waitress hit on him and it was like a whole big thing. Anyway, so like, how you guys been? Like, what is she hoping to get from this? And she's sort of questioning why she's, staring at them and stopping in the street. She's like, what am I doing here? She says, it seems too coincidental that I should be in Port Angeles with Jessica on a dark street even. And no, it's, it's not a coincidence. You live in Forks, which doesn't have a movie theater or restaurants apart from one shitty little diner that's in the movie. Like, is it really that big of a coincidence that you go to Port Angeles? And the fact that you're there with one of your only other friends, like that's, that's not a coincidence. That's sort of just life. And she's still just staring at these poor bastards. And she says there was an indefinite implied kind of menace to these men that had nothing to do with that other night. And then Jessica's like, Bella, come on for fuck's sake. And Bella just ignores her. 
And she keeps walking towards the four sketchy guys leaning against the wall. And I'm saying leaning. She says lounging in the book. She says they're lounging against the wall. And I just don't think you can lounge against a wall. You're only lounging if you're in a lounge. That's what I believe. So I'm going to say they're leaning against the wall. I'm going to keep saying that. And she says, I didn't understand why, but the nebulous threat the men presented drew me toward them. And I kind of get it. We all like a bad boy, don't we? (laughs) Sometimes you see a guy and you're like, oof, that man's wrong for me. But then you're attracted and you're drawn in. Like it's a trap we all fall in, Bella. But maybe not when it's four on one (laughs) and they're strangers in a dark alley. Like maybe, maybe not in that instance. Then she tells us there's adrenaline. She says, it was almost as if it were an echo of the last time I'd stood like this on a dark street in Port Angeles with strangers. And I'm like, yes, we get it. We all remembered before you reminded us 50 fucking times about last book when you went to Port Angeles. We got the comparison. Just like we got the zombie metaphor. We got it. Even the 14 year olds reading this got it. We're all on the same page here. You don't need to keep bloody banging on about it. But basically what she's trying to get at is that she has a death wish and she she sees no reason for fear. She's already lost everything. Like she's she's got a death wish. And Jessica's like, Bella, you can't go into a bar. And Bella's like, ah, I'm not going to go in. I just want to see something. Like she just wants to see the, the face of the short dark man to compare him from her memory, which I don't know about that. And Jess says, are you crazy? Are you suicidal? And then she's like, hmm, no, I'm not. And she tells us that she never really actually did commit suicide because she couldn't do that to Charlie and Renee. And she'd made a promise to Edward not to do anything stupid or reckless. And then Jess is like, ah, what the fuck? And Bella can sort of tell by her reaction that she said, are you suicidal? Like rhetorically, she didn't actually expect Bella to give like a considered reasoned response. And then Bella says, okay, well you go eat. I'll catch up in a minute. And then she turns away from Jess and walks back towards the men who were watching them. And I'm like, oh God, how far away is she from this bar? Because she's been walking for fucking ages. She could see in through the door a few minutes ago, but now she's still walking across this road. It must be a bloody eight lane highway that she's walking across because it's just not over yet. So she turns to walk back towards the men and then she hears a voice say, Bella, stop this right now. And she freezes because it wasn't Jessica's voice. It was a furious, familiar, beautiful voice, soft like velvet. And we all understand that that's Edward's voice, but she says it was his voice. But she's exceptionally careful not to think of his name because I guess that's a trigger for her. So she, she, she's careful not to think it. And I don't know if you can really think about not thinking something. It's like, isn't that the game? You lose the game when you remember the game. And you're when you're winning the game, you don't know you're winning the game. And then when you think about how you're winning the game, then you've automatically lost because you're thinking about the game. It's that kind of a thing. But no, she's hearing his voice in her head. She's hearing his voice. And it's not immediately clear if he, he can, you know, project his voice into her mind somehow. Because you're like, you know, he does have, he does have mind powers. He could be a little bit Professor X Cerebro here. Or she's just really lost the plot. I think she's lost the plot. But in the instant she hears his voice, like everything becomes more real. And she looks around herself in shock. And she's like, oh God, what am I doing? And the voice is still talking to her. He's saying, go back to Jessica. 
you promise nothing stupid. And so she's like, oh, all right. And so she looks around and the strangers are just lounging against the wall, just thinking, what the fuck is this bitch on? Like, they must be thinking she is a crackhead. They're looking at her thinking, what's, what's she on? Is it meth? She's a meth head for sure. Because what's she doing here? She's in the middle of the street, this eight lane highway. She's just standing in the middle of it. And then the voice says, keep your promise. And like slips away. And she goes, I began to suspect that I was having some kind of hallucination. Triggered, no doubt, by the memory, the deja vu, the strange familiarity of the situation. So at least she knows she's hallucinating. But this whole deja vu line that she's trying to sell. And she's like, well, option one, I'm crazy. (laughs) Option two, my subconscious mind was giving me what I thought I wanted. Hearing his voice was wish fulfillment. And that's, that's the only option she can think of. There's no option three. And I really think that's all the exploration we're going to do about that. We're just going to settle for, oh, she's either crazy or a subconscious is playing tricks on her because that's what a subconscious does. I feel like I'm reading Fifty Shades again. But then she tells us she's grateful because she was afraid she'd lose his voice forever. But at least now that her subconscious is making shit up, she gets to hear his voice again. And then she starts thinking... Hmm, maybe his voice won't disappear if I keep doing potentially destructive, dangerous things. (laughs) And she briefly says it would be stupid to encourage hallucinations. And then she's like, "Mm, but fuck that. And so she takes another step forward (laughs) to the men. And then she hears the voice say, Bella, turn around. And she sighs in relief. She's like, oh God, I wanted to hear his angry voice again. Like imagine being that desperate to hear your boyfriend be angry. And then finally, one of the guys says, uh, hi. <laughs> and she tells us that he was fair skinned and fair haired because that's important to know. And he stood with the assurance of someone who thought of himself as quite good looking. <laughs> she could have just said cocky and self-assured, but she's like, no, I'm going to explain what he looks like with, with a lot of words. But then the voice in her head snarls at her because she's thinking about whether or not he's handsome. So even when it's not really Edward, He's still possessive. And he's like, can I help you with something? And she steps over the gutter and walks towards them again. How far away is she? And now that she's closer, she's looking at the short, dark man's face. Oh God. And now that she's looking at him, she's like, ah, you know what? It's a different guy. He doesn't look familiar at all. So then the short, dark man's like, well, can I buy you a drink? Because he's obviously like, why is this bitch staring at me? She is staring me down. I'm going to get a root tonight. But because they're all being nice and safe, she's like, "Mm, I'm no longer interested. And so she just turns and goes back to hang out with Jessica. And Jessica's like, what the fuck was that? And I agree, Jess, you've been put through the ringer this night. And Bella's like, meh, I thought I knew him. And she's like, you are so odd, Bella Swan. I feel like I don't know who you are. And she just says, sorry. And so then they go to McDonald's and... It's awkward as fuck. And you can tell Jessica's just like trying to scoff down that food and get the hell out of there. And they get back to the car and Jessica just turns the radio right up. She's like, I do not want to talk to this crazy bitch. And then she just tells us how relieved she is that she can hear his voice in her head because she was so worried that she was going to forget him. Like it's, it's been four months. You're not going to forget him. But she's like, I just needed to know that he existed. Because remember, he removed all, all evidence of his existence, except for the stereo in her truck. 
He took out all the photos and everything else except for the stereo. And because of that, she's just forgetting that he existed. And she tells us this is why she couldn't leave Forks because she needed the memories. But also she was trying not to think of him, but she wanted to remember him. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how you're managing to walk that tightrope. And she's like, if I were to ever go to Jacksonville or anywhere else bright and unfamiliar, how could I be sure he was real? In a place where I could never imagine him, the conviction might fade and I couldn't live through that. And I'm like, just look at the vampire bite marks on your hand. How about that? That's, that's like a tattoo. You'll always remember it if you just look down at your hand and be like, oh yeah, I almost died that one time because my boyfriend was a vampire. And then Jessica stops the car out front of a house and she's like, huh, I'm surprised. The ride seemed really quick. And I'm like, yeah, probably because Jessica was speeding to get back to get you the fuck out of her car. And so she's like, thanks for going out with me, Jess. That was fun. (laughs) And she says, sure. And she goes, sorry about after the movie. And she says, whatever, Bella. So Bella's just like, see you Monday. She goes, yeah, bye. Bella shuts the door and she, she speeds off. She doesn't even do that thing where you sit in the driveway for a bit and you wait to see if they get in all right. You know, it's just like the nice thing friends do. They just wait until you get in safe. Jess wasn't doing that. Jess had had enough. She hit her limit hours ago. But Bella says, I'd forgotten her by the time I was inside. So Bella's very selfish. What a bitch. And Charlie's pissed. He's like, where the fuck have you been? And she's like, uh, I went to the movies. I told you that this morning. And okay, could have left him a note. You are a flight risk. Like not only did you run away to Phoenix last year, you also disappeared in the woods just four months ago. There was a search party. They had to get werewolves to come and find you. So yeah, you could have left him a note. And also he didn't really think you were serious about going to a movie because like, come on. So then she goes up to her bedroom. And then she lies down and she feels the whole pain from hearing his voice or some bullshit. So she was telling us she was relieved, but now she's feeling sucker punched. And she can feel the pain just waving through her body, but it was manageable. I could live through it. She didn't feel like the pain had weakened, more that she'd just grown strong enough to bear it. And she thinks whatever it was that happened that night, It had woken her up. And for the first time in a long time, she didn't know what to expect in the morning. And that's the end of the chapter. It was rough. It was rough, guys. Like, she's in a really dark place and it wasn't fun to be with her. Like, is it ever really that fun to be with Bella Swan? But it wasn't fun to be in her head, this chapter. And the next chapter is titled Cheetah, which isn't promising either. I can't wait for Jacob to come back. He, He will be a breath of fresh air. I'm just, I'm hanging for the Jacob reveal. So fingers crossed, next week we get Jacob. Here's hoping. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Braxton said, lip trembling, manhood straining. Oh, hello. I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. 
just doing some light reading. Nothing gets the blood pumping quite like free smut, wouldn't you agree? On the Galloping Ab Society podcast, we plumb the moist and murky depths of Amazon's free romance novel selection for the wildest, wackiest, and weirdest erotica, and tackle the tough questions along the way. Do Vikings really have any business being in outer space? What's the quickest way to a tentacle monster's heart? Can cyborgs love? And the age-old conundrum, how many euphemisms are too many euphemisms? Find the Galloping Ab Society on your podcast provider of choice for the answers to all of these and so much more. We hope you'll join us soon. Braxton squinted through the rain that slid down wetly down his wet face. His blood raced. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.